Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Well, good morning, Freedom House. Y'all look beautiful today. You got an extra hour of sleep and it looks good on you. Look at your neighbor say, you look extra good today, extra. You look an hour. Turn to your other neighbor say, you look an hour extra good. An hour extra good. God is good. Um, just excited to be with you today. Um, I want to talk just for a couple minutes before we start into this message. By the way, my name is Troy Maxwell, and my wife and I are the senior pastors here. And uh, we are one church that meets in multiple locations. And whatever location you show up at, we have a live communicator there. Today we have at Southend, we have Kerry Griffin, with his, which is the... The beautiful Mike Griffin right here, his, uh, his, his wife, and then we got Joel Johnson at our Lake Norman campus. And, and then if you're ever not here, um, and this is your only permission to watch it online, is if you're not in Charlotte, because you should come to church if you're in Charlotte. Don't stay in the bed. Get out of the bed. Take a shower. Come to church. Just make sure you do it in that order, please. <clears throat> Um, we are, in this entire month, uh, we are going to be talking a lot about kingdom builders. And uh, we're going to be challenging you as a church to become a kingdom builder. I want to give you a definition of what a kingdom builder is. A kingdom builder is a person who gives generously to expand the vision of Freedom House. And uh, we're going to be talking about the vision of what God is doing through our church We've seen some incredible things over the last year, and then I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what's coming up, what the vision is for the, for the next year, 2019. We've got some exciting things that are happening. Um, we have three areas that we focus our attention in with the stewardship of your finances. Um, we, we have, first of all, now generation, which is our next generation. We call it the now generation because we don't believe they're in the future. We believe they're right now. How many know kids can change the world? Come on, somebody. I know they changed your life on the way to church today, but they can change the world too. The thing that reminded me specifically about that is you saw the young man that was leading worship right up here. Well, he's 18 years old, 18 years old. But I remember 10 years ago when he was eight years old and he was leading worship in our offices at eight years old. Look at look what the Lord has done in that young man's life. And that's what it's all about, is seeing God minister uh, through people like uh, Daniel Haas and, and other young guys. Our SEU, our, our college is doing fantastic. Um, our missions and our outreach, we do local, national, and international missions. Um, I was just with some of our friends in Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, we were able as a church to bless them financially as well as send two loads of equipment and stuff and food and items for them um, after the Florence hurricane, and they were so blessed by what, what happened and what Freedom House did. We sent a team down there, and they were able to help and, and get connected with that. And that's because of your generosity. Give yourselves a hand. That's fantastic. Way to go. And then, of course, the third area is our global church growth. And uh, as we are a one church in many locations, we partner with an organization called ARC, Association of Related Churches. And to this point, beginning in 2002 up to now, which we started our church in 2002, for the last 16 years, we have been able to sow into ARC. And so far, we've planted almost 900 churches around the nation. Come on. And the world. Isn't that awesome? We truly believe that the mobilized church is the hope of 
the world. Well, we are starting a new series today called Cold Turkey. Look at your neighbor say, Cold Turkey. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving because you don't have to put a tree up. You don't have to go to the store and buy. You don't have to give gifts to anybody. Come on, somebody. It's cheap. And I just love to eat. Now, my wife tells me very, very frankly, yeah, you don't do anything. I do all the cooking. I'm like, amen. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, Jesus. I love, I love Thanksgiving. That's why we titled this Cold Turkey. But specifically, have you ever been doing or done something that you wondered, why did I do that? Like, why, why, do, I, why do I keep doing that? You don't even realize it. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a habit that you have. And maybe you just let a cuss word slip out on Monday. You went to church on Sunday. You're like, why did that come out of my mouth? I don't know why I said that to her or him. Maybe a bad attitude. And you just kind of repeat that attitude. Maybe you keep dating the same guy. Come on. Come on. He, he may look different. But after about three dates, why do I date that guy? He's like the same knucklehead every single time. Well, you're in good company. You're in good company because there's a guy by the name of Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And here's what he said. He says, I do not understand what I do. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. How many of y'all can agree with that statement right there? Like, we all fall into that. Well, that's why you can quit cold turkey. I believe that God can grace you to quit cold turkey. And today, specifically, I want to talk about quit putting God second. Quit putting God second. It's easy to do that, isn't it? Well, let's look at a story that Jesus tells us, uh, an an event that happens in the Bible. True story. This actually happened with Jesus 2,000 years ago. This is in Mark chapter 10. It says, now as he, Jesus, was going out on the road, one came running. This guy came running. Now... This is actually written in Matthew and also Luke. And we find out that this one that came running, there were three specific things that described who he was. He was a rich, young ruler. In other words, he had wealth, he had youth on his side, and he had influence. He was a ruler. So he comes to Jesus, and I love what he does. He's very respectful with with Jesus. He knelt before him. And he asked him, and this is what I love, this is a young guy, and very few few young people actually are thinking about the future, thinking about legacy. He's thinking about his future. He says, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? How do I I get into heaven? Now, right off the bat, he's kind of mixed up because you don't do anything to inherit eternal life. Inheritance comes by who you are, not what you do. You can do a lot of stuff, like I tell my kids all the time. You'll always be a Maxwell. Always be a Maxwell. That'll never change. Even if you get married and somebody adds their name to your life, you're still going to always be a Maxwell. There's no denying the fact that you're going to be a Maxwell. You have inherited the genes of a Maxwell. You'll look like a Maxwell. You'll walk like a Maxwell. I mean, that's not bad. Just saying. But you don't do anything to inherit anything. And so, first of all, Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one, that is God. You know the commandments. So now Jesus does something interesting. He says, do do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and and mother. Now, let me ask you something. If you were going to 
basically spout out a list of stuff, wouldn't you start with number one? I would, like number one. Notice that Jesus, if you know the Ten Commandments, does not start with the first commandment. He starts with number six. See, because when Moses brought down the Ten Commandments, he brought two tablets down. The first tablet was basically regarding our relationship with God, our vertical relationship with God. The second tablet involved our horizontal relationship, our relationship with people. That's why when, when Jesus sums up the commandments, he says, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. He summed up both all the Ten Commandments in those two sayings, those two tablets. Why did he go to number six? Because he's about to call this guy out. He was going to deal with the first tablet, and he knew that he was kind of sucking them in. This is what Jesus did. He always kind of pulled people in. And he says, do not do this. And he, says, and he answered and said, teacher, done all those things from my youth. I've been doing all those things since I was a kid. Now, I don't know how old this guy was, but he was being a little bit aggressive with Jesus. And then Jesus looked at him. I love this part. Verse 21, looked at him, loved him, and said to him, Come on, say it with me. One thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing. One more time. Say it. One thing. He says, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, let me ask you something. If Jesus were standing here right now, let's just pretend, in the flesh, he's right here standing beside me. And he looks at you, Morgan, and he says, hey, follow me. He looks at you, Ben, and he says, hey, follow me. Stephanie, follow me. What would you do? You knew Jesus. Like, you knew all about him. You've read the Bible. You know all the miracles that he did. You know who he is. Your answer, probably, I'm just guessing. If he, said to say, if he said to you, if he said it to me, you know what I'd be like? Yeah, of course I'm going to follow you. Right? Okay, but why, why did he not follow? What was it that caused him to decide not to follow? Commandment number one. You know what commandment number one is? There shall be no other gods before me. In other words, his possession creeped into first place. And as a result of that, he could not follow Jesus. There are certain things that often creep into first place in our life. They kind of step in front of God. We do it haphazardly. So today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the principle of priority. The principle of priority. Why, why is that? Because, listen, God wants to be first in everything. Everything. He wants to be first in everything. Now, how do you know if God has kind of moved down the list, so to speak? How do you know that, that God has kind of shifted from first to second or may, maybe even third or fourth? Well, I think there's a couple things that, that we do, maybe say, maybe act out, that can cause him to creep down the list, so to speak. We don't do it 
We don't do it on purpose. I mean, come on, I'm your pastor. I've done it before. There's, I mean, I've been a Christian. This is my 28th year of Christianity. Come on, that's awesome. I've been saved for 28 years. Most people think I'm saved. 28, this month. But there's been times in my life with my ministry. And see, the thing about God, just like he did with this rich young ruler, is when you come into the presence of God, he always puts his finger on the one thing that is possibly creeping in front of him. Now, this is why a lot of times when I'm looking, I have a different vantage point than you in services because I get to see all of you. And I watch, and it's amazing to me, because I kind of key in on different people within the congregation as I'm preaching. I, I kind of pick a few different people. The first person I always pick is the person who's leaning in. Because I like their faith. Kind of helps me a little bit. Because the second person that I typically look for is the guy that's leaning back. And the guy that's leaning in usually helps me deal with the guy that's leaning back. And the reason why we typically lean back or we don't really want to get involved in an environment like this is because the presence of God is putting his finger on the very thing that you don't want to deal with. So why are you going to lean in? Why not lean back a little bit and say, I really don't want to deal with that right now. And so we can use excuses in the presence of God. And basically, Jesus will always look at you and love you regardless of whether you're leaning back or not. Because God wants to do something in your life. But in order for him to do that, he has to get through that one thing. And often that's our responsibility, that one thing. How do I know if something has crept up in that list? Well, I think there's a couple things that, that kind of help us understand that, or maybe we see that in our life. And I was just thinking about, uh, for me personally, things can easily slip into my weekend. Now, I have to be here on the weekend. I don't have a choice because it's my job, y'all. But there are things that can slip into our life. You know, we, we start putting our family before God. You say, but, but, but my family is supposed to be before God. No, 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 it's not. No, God's supposed to be always first. And by the way, whether you put him first or not, he's always going to be first. Because he's the creator of the universe. And so one day you will stand before him, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. And he's going to ask you with basically what you have done with what he's given you. Sometimes our family comes, come, sometimes sports come before God. We, it just, it's just subtle, it's just little stuff. Sometimes our exercise regimen or, or something becomes to creep in its way. And we typically will allow that to happen when we will say something like this. Well, God knows my heart though. Hello, I don't need to go to church today. God knows my heart. But see, that one day becomes three days, becomes a month, becomes a year, becomes six months, between, becomes three years, and next thing you know, you're divorced, and you wonder, what in the heck happened? What, what happened? It's because God began to move down the list. Well, I need to provide for my family, and so it's okay if I travel this weekend. People ask me all the time, can you be a Christian and not go to church? And the answer is absolutely you can be a Christian and not go to church. But you can also be married and never see your spouse. But that's not how I want to be married, y'all. There's some, there's some benefits, a whole other message, to being married and actually seeing your spouse. Can I get an amen from all the married people? Y'all single people don't know nothing about that right yet. 
Okay, we want to keep that separation right there for a little while until you meet the right one. But, the, but you want to be involved in church. Church is that easy thing that you can do to help God creep, creep up into that first spot. He wants to be first in everything. Everything. He wants to be first in everything. That's why he says this in, in Matthew 6. He says, instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you, and he will provide you with all these other things. See, there's a pattern. There's a, there's a, a, a system, a cycle that happens in regards to our priorities. Look at this. First of all, I can, I can tell your values by what, you pri, by what you prioritize because my priorities determines my values. Priority determines that. We all have values. What are values? Values are things that you put worth on, things that you, 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 you value. If, if, let, let me give you an example. If you invest in the stock market, like if you put money in the stock, a lot of money in the stock market, all of your retirement is a stock market, I pretty much guarantee you just about every day, at least three or four times a week, guess what you're going to look at? The stock market. What are you going to watch on the news? The stock market. Why? Because you have value there. So you're going to prioritize your life around what you value. And whatever you put first is what you value most. So show me your priorities. I'll show you your values. Values determine choices. Whatever you value you choose. If you value good health, you know what you're going to do? Eat right. Yeah. You, can't, you can't tell me that you value good health if you don't eat right. Yeah, yeah but, but I know it's going to help me. Yeah, but it hadn't become a value yet. Because the moment it becomes a value in your life, you're going to say no to the cheesecake, no to the fried chicken. Come on, somebody. You're going to drive right past the drive through and you're going to go to salads.com. <laughs> because you value... Good health. I'm just giving you an example. If you value God, you're going to go to church. You're going to become a kingdom builder. You're going to be a part of what God's doing. You're going to serve if you value. Don't tell me you value it and you don't make those choices around him thinking about your life or the way you think about God. Yeah, but I have a good heart. Yeah, but God knows your heart too. God knows your heart. See, your choices determine your results. So in essence, if you don't like the results of what's going on in your life right now, you know what you have to do? Go back to the root of it. What am I prioritizing? You don't like the relationships you keep having? What are you prioritizing? <laughs> are, are you, why do you keep going out with that same guy? Result? Well, maybe because you're looking for the wrong guy. Looking for the wrong girl. Maybe you need to make a list. That's what my wife did. And look who she married. Just saying. She made, she made a good list. She prioritized. It's a true story, by the way. She made a list. She wanted a guy that had blue eyes. She wanted a guy that had dark hair. She wanted a guy that liked to shop. I like to shop, y'all. I mean, we, we, she made a whole list, and, and then I just showed up in her world. Priorities determines. Priority determines values. Values determine choices. Choices determine results. So, so let's talk about how to quit putting God second. Let's look at this value of putting God first. The first, you may want to write this down, the first sets the stage for the rest. 
So when we understand the principle of priority, we recognize that when I put God first, it sets the stage for everything else. God becomes the foundation of my life. See, a lot of people have uphill hopes with downhill habits. A lot of people have uphill dreams but downhill values. And the thing about putting God first or maybe allowing God to slip down into second and third place, the devil, listen, the devil knows your mistakes, learns from your mistakes even if you don't. So he's going to learn from your mistakes. He's going to write down, ooh, I see an area right there. I see a hole in their life. I see a blind spot. And he's learning even if we don't. He's writing it all down. Why? Because he wants to keep you in that cycle. He wants to keep you just thinking that one time a month for church is okay. He wants you just to keep thinking that it's okay to be a casual Christian. It's okay to not share your faith. It's okay to not serve because he can just keep you stalled right there in that rhythm, in that cycle, not really doing anything, not really going anywhere, that he's done his job. But we want to change that, right, Freedom House? We want to put God first. Everybody shout first. First. So we want to get the principle of priority. So we set, it, it all sets the stage for the rest. Now, God explained this to the children of Israel in, in, in the context of what they were dealing with and explains and helps us a lot with understanding it because he, under, he tells them how to set the foundation for your lives. And so here's what he says in Exodus chapter 13. He says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate. In other words, I want you to put first. I want you to give first. I want you to set aside. That's what the word consecrate means. Consecrate to me all the, say it with me, firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. In other words, the first I want. So notice what he says next. He says, every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. I'm going to explain this. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, get rid of it. Kill the donkey if you're not going to redeem it with a lamb. So every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you, you shall break its neck. And all the, say it with me, firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, here's what he's saying. He is letting us know that if we want to basically clean up our life, we've got to take what is unclean and we've got to give first what is clean in order to redeem what is unclean. So he says this. He says, the firstborn of a donkey. There were classification of animals called unclean animals. A donkey was considered an unclean animal. So when a donkey was born unclean, God said, in order to redeem what is unclean, you need to give first what is clean. So he says, you need to redeem it with a lamb. A lamb is a clean animal. So here's how God uses the first to set the stage for the rest. He says, if you want an unclean thing to be clean, you need to give first what is clean. That's the sacrificial part of it. That's the consecrated part of it. Now, let's talk about our life for a second. Because, basically, we're like the donkey. We're like the donkey. When you were born, were you born clean or unclean? 
We were all born unclean. Because our father is Adam. Right? We, were all, we all have the same daddy. His name is Adam. Because we're human beings. And God made man and woman. And so man and woman sinned. And as a result of that sin, there was this curse of sin that ran rampant through humanity. See, the whole idea was God was to set it up through Jesus. So notice what the Bible says in Romans. It says, for whom he foreknew, that's us, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The son he's talking about here is Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So here's what God said. You're an iron unclean. So God, understanding the principle of priority, follow me here, said, I am going to give my first and my best in order to clean up the unclean. And so God instituted the principle of priority by sacrificing his best, which was his first, which was Jesus, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, in order to clean up the unclean. So when, listen, listen, when we give our first, when we set aside our first, the first of our day, the first of our finances, the first of our life, the first of everything, when we give God the first, he cleans up the rest. He brings cleanliness. He brings blessing on everything that's left over. That's why when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God started this whole thing with Jesus because the first sets the stage for the rest. You understanding the principle of priority? Let's take it another step here. Because the first releases blessing on the rest. Now, the Bible talks about two very important things that happen in regards to our life. We can either live blessed or we can live cursed. Now, let me just let you know, God does not curse you. You said, no, hold on, time out, time out. The Bible says all through the scriptures, I've read it a couple times, all through the scriptures it said that, that God cursed. No, it doesn't. God, God does not curse. What cursed means is the removal of his blessing. So there's two ways that you can live your life. You can either live blessed, and by the way, let me just tell you that God wants you to live blessed. That's his plan for your life. His desire is to bless you. The Bible says over and over again, one particular scripture, Psalms 34, says that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He wants you to live prosperous. He wants you to have a blessed life. He wants you to have a blessed marriage. He wants you to have blessed finances. He wants you to have more than enough. That's his nature. That's who he is. That's the grace of God. That's the father that we serve. He's not sitting on the edge of his throne leaning back and going, oh, yeah, I'm going to mess him up this time. That's not how he works. That's not his nature. He is full of grace. The Bible says that his mercy extends to a thousand generations. Are y'all with me? That was a good place to say amen right there. God wants you blessed. That's the kind of, all the good gifts come from the Father. However, if we don't operate in the principle of priority, then he cannot bless. He wants to, but his hands are tied. I want my life blessed. How about you? I don't want to live cursed. I don't want God's hand to be removed from my life. I want his hand on me all the time. Everything. So look what Proverbs says. Like a flitting sparrow. 
I don't know what that means, but something involving flitting. <laughs> like a flying swallow. It's definitely different than flying. Flying and flitting are two different things. So a, say it with me, curse without a cause shall not alight. There's always a reason for the curse. And what is the reason? Disobedience. It's easy. It's all laid out for us. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard. God's desire is to bless us. The Bible tells us the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard to live in sin. It's hard to live with God's hand not on you. That's a difficult life. So here's what he says in Proverbs. He says, honor the Lord with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Did you notice that the first is usually the best? It really is. The first of your day is usually the best of your day. The first of your week is usually, you're the freshest. You feel excited. You're alive. The first is the best. He wants us to give him, his, give him the best that we have in order for his hand of blessing to be upon us. And notice what he says. He says, your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. In other words, your life will be enough. Your life will be blessed. Your checking accounts, your savings accounts, everything, your family, everything will follow after that because the first releases the blessing on the rest. See, what would happen is, and this is where faith gets involved. What would happen is, is that if there was a new animal that was born to you in the Old Testament, they wouldn't wait until four or five were born. They had to give that first off the bat. It required faith because it's, it's, you got you to gotta trust God that this animal is going to continue to give birth if I'm going to give him the first one. Yeah. Well, what, 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 if, what, if ha, what happens if, if he doesn't? What, what, what's going to go? See, that's the, that's the whole idea. Yeah. See, it's never about the money. It's never about the time. It's never about the resources. It's all about trust. The principle of priority is all about do you really trust God? And in order to quit putting God second, it means that I have to totally and completely trust him with everything in my life. Notice what it says. There's a couple, there's a couple examples in the, in, the, in the Bible of where God explains this to the children of Israel or to people throughout the scriptures. One is here with Joshua and the children of Israel. You know the story. They were getting ready to enter into the promised land. And God told Joshua, listen, you're going to face this incredible enemy called Jericho, the city of huge walls. But I have given you the city. But when you take it, you need to give everything to me. Notice what he says to Joshua. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. They were, they were afraid of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to me. Remember, we talked about what consecration means. It means to give him the first, the best. Give it to me. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Now, you know the story. They went into Jericho. They defeated everything. 
However, there was one guy named Aiken. He was Clay Aiken's brother. That's a North Carolina joke if you don't know who Clay Aiken is. <laughs> that was a bad joke, though. Funny, but bad. But there was this guy named Aiken. Aiken, as he was defeating, as he was walking through the city of Jericho, he went to this guy's house that had been defeated, and he saw some Armani suits hanging up in the closet, some real nice stuff, some nice clothes. He says, nobody's going to miss that. God, God doesn't need Armani suits. And so he kind of shoved them in his bag. There was some gold over here. He put that in his pocket. You know what happened next? The children of Israel went to fight this little tiny community called Ai. They only sent about 3,000 troops to defeat them. However, when they started to attack Ai, Ai started to whoop up on them. Why? His hand lifted off. He removed his hand. Why? Because they were disobedient. They did not give him all of the first. I want to live with God's hand all my life. So they ended up having to get things straight. Had to deal with Achan. Kick him off American Idol. They had to deal with him. Let me give you another example. Genesis chapter 4. And in the process of time, follow me here, it came to pass that Cain brought, what does it say? An offering. An offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain. Why? He brought an offering, not the firstborn. He just brought whatever. And as a result, God says, I can't, I can't bless that. I can't release the blessing of God. I want to, but my hands are tied. This is the principle of priority. He wants to bless your family. He wants to pour out his blessings on your life. Give him the first. Abel was just doing what he, Cain got so mad at him, he killed him. That's not good. It's never good when you start killing brothers. He was so mad. The Bible goes on to say that God told, told Cain, sin lies at the door. Why? Because his hand wasn't on Cain anymore. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do, but he did not do it. So God says, I can't. And, 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 and God told Cain, you can straighten this out. You, you can fix this. You can straighten this out. And today I'm telling you, God's letting you know that you can fix this. How? How? Okay, well, let's talk about it. Romans chapter 11 says, if the first piece of bread is given to God, then the whole loaf is also his. And if the roots of the tree are offered to God, the branches are his. When we give God the first, everything else becomes blessed. Everything else becomes his. So here, here's the test. The first is the tithe. Now, don't get nervous. We've already received the offering today. Okay, this is not what this is about. The tithe is the test of our first. This is how you can change things around. By saying, God, I'm going to start trusting you. I'm going to trust you with the tithe. The tithe is the first 10% of everything that we bring in to our life financially. Now, why, why would God make this statement for us? Why, why is it that the tithe has to be first? Why can't it be last? Why, why can't we deal with all of our other stu stuff and then give him what's left over? I like leftovers. God does not like leftovers. He wants your first, 
and he wants your best. Why? Because he gave you his first and his best. See, God knows that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the test. Wherever your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. So when we give our treasures to God, when we value God, our heart follows God. It follows Him. This is not about money. God doesn't need your money. That, this, 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 it's about trust. It's all about trust. Why? Tithing is the spark of faith. God needs to light a fire of faithfulness in your heart. It's just that spark of faith. All he needs is just that spark of faith. If you'll trust him, it's just that spark of faith. Listen, that can turn your whole family around, man. That can turn your whole life around. Just that spark. You mean, you mean if I tithe, God's going to do that? Absolutely. Why? Because his hand of blessing is going to come on your life. Because God wants to be first in everything. Everything. Stand up on your feet today, Freedom House. And I want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked the rich young ruler. And hey, look at me for a second. Look at me. Look at me. Be honest with God today. Be honest with Him. Would you do that? Would you, would you decide right now that you will be honest with Him? One thing that I've learned about the Lord in the 28 years I've been a Christian is that God only comes into the arenas that he's invited in. He never presses his way in. It's an invitation that we give him. There's a beautiful picture that this young man painted many, many, many years ago around that scripture that Jesus said when he said that I stand at the door and knock. And I'll, ne I'll never forget this. It really made an impact on me when I saw it. Because Jesus, this is picture of Jesus. He's standing in front of this door. But when you look at the door, if you don't look really carefully, you won't see it. On the door, there is no handle. There's no handle. Why is that? Because Jesus is never going to reach out and open the door for you. You have to, on the other side, open the door and invite God in. I want his hand of blessing on my life. Right? Here's the deal. You know what? I know you do too. So what is that one thing? What is that one thing that has crept its way up into first place in your life? Would you give it to God today? Would you allow him to come place? Maybe it's church attendance. Did you know the average person comes 1.2 times to church a month? One time a month. An hour and 15 minutes if you're on time. How, how in the world could we expect our families to be ministered to with just an hour and 15 minutes a month? And then we wonder why our kids are acting up and our marriage is all jacked up and we're only giving God an hour and 50, 75 minutes of our month. How about just making God the first of your week? Just start there. Give him the tithe of your week. How about financially? If you'll just start tithing, just, just take the challenge, do it. I can tell you right now, I could pull up people all over this church that have been tithing for years and years and years. 
and they can tell you time after time how God has blessed their life over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Because God wants to be first in everything. Bow your head, close your eyes. Let's be honest with God right now. Do you have one thing that has crept its way up? Do you have one thing? Would you be willing today to say, God, I want you to remove that one thing. I want to quit putting you second. I'm going to count to three. If you say, yeah, you know what, God, I have put something in front of you. I want to pray for you today, church. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, put your hand up if you say, that's me. I put something ahead of you. Keep that hand up. Let's, let's just pray. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, I pray a blessing over every honest person in this room, God, that you are going to do something significant in their life as they have confessed this disobedience to you that something has crept up into first place in their life that has taken taken priority over you but now right now God we give it all to you we give everything to you whatever we need to change we believe that there's a grace for it God whatever we need to quit go cold turkey on God there is a grace for it on our life we receive that grace we receive that strength we receive that anointing right now to be able to walk away walk away from that that one thing God that is holding us back from you in Jesus name come on if you agree with that say amen come on give God some praise today he's awesome thanks again for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this message don't forget to subscribe and hey if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part go to freedomhouse.cc